Welcome to the Liver Alone Podcast, the podcast where two nerds who consume a whole lot of horror discuss their favorite pieces of horror media. From movies and TV shows to video games, novels, and everything in between. Because this is a spooky world, and we're just thriving in it. I'm your host, Sarah, the survivalist in your slasher friend group that will put up a lasting fight, but inevitably die because only the final girl can survive. And I'm your host, Ian, the fearless fighter in your slasher friend group that tries to save the day, but ends up dying because physical strength just doesn't win in horror. So this is going to be the second of the two episodes where Ian will not be attending, unfortunately. I know you all miss him so much, but I promise he will be back in the next episode. But once again, he's not going to be in for this one because I consumed this piece of horror content by myself. And so I gave him the recap, but basically he wouldn't have his own individual opinions to bring because it's pretty much the same as mine since I gave him the recap. So that's mainly why he's not going to be in for this episode. In today's episode, we're talking about a story that started on the dark side of the internet as a well-loved creepypasta, which we talked about last week, that made it out of the niche sub-community in Reddit and turned into a full-fledged published novel by a major publishing house, Old Country by Matt Query and Harrison Query. So let me give you a brief synopsis of Old Country. So like I said before, it's based off of a creepypasta. It was originally a creepypasta and it's now a full-length published novel. If you notice that they have the same last names, yes, the authors are related. They are siblings. And what the story is about is basically a young couple, a former Marine and a wife and a dog. They move out to their dream house in rural Idaho among the Teton Valley, which by the way, I did not know that's how you pronounce Teton. But anyway only to discover that there is a horror held within it. Once they move in, their elderly neighbors come bearing news. There is a malevolent spirit that takes different forms and torments inhabitants of homes in the area every season. Great news. (laughs) So as the seasons pass, the spirit gets stronger and more horrifying, and the couple have a lot of choices to make in order to pretty much stay alive. So we're kind of getting like haunted house vibes, but not really. There's more of a spiritual element in the area, not just within this specific house. It's an, it's an interesting concept, and before we get into the actual discussion, I wanted to play a game. I know I said in last week's episode that I can't play a game with myself, but I have reconsidered, y'all. I am going to play Stab or Survive with myself, <laughs> and I'm just going to speed round it like we always try to do. So, Stab or Survive, first person is Harry, which is the husband in this story, and I'm going to say Stab. I have opinions about Harry. Uh, The second person is Sasha, who is the wife in the story. I will say survive. Number three, we have Joe, who is someone in the community that has lived there since like the beginning of time, pretty much him and his entire lineage, his family. Definitely survive. Then we've got Lucy, which is one of the elderly, one of the elderly folks from the, the elderly couple that I mentioned in the synopsis. I'll say survive. And the last is Dash, which is the dog. And I think I would be the most evil person ever if I said stab when it comes to an animal. So obviously I'm going with survive. Imagine though, imagine if I had Ian on this episode, he would do that just to piss people off because that's one of his greatest joys. Anyway, I hope that gave you a good bird's eye view into how I feel about certain characters. I think pretty much all of them are great except for like the dudes for the most part, but let's get into the conversation. So why did I pick this piece of content? Of course, I think the biggest appeal about this story, this novel, is that it was once a creepypasta and it became 
a full-fledged published novel. I think that's super cool. Having creepypastas make it to the to the area of publication, not just publication, but publication at a big major publishing house is really, really cool. And I feel like more of that should happen because there are some great writers on creepypasta. It's not just about Wattpad. You know, like creepypasta is legit too, at least in my opinion, and definitely for other horror lovers out there. So I was super glad to find out that this was actually a creepypasta. How cool is that? But let me talk about why I like it so much. So I think my favorite, favorite thing about this story, and I think that's the, this is the one thing that I'm going to take away with me after reading it. And, you know, it's been actually a few months since I finished reading it, but what really sticks with me still is the setting. I loved the atmosphere of this story. It was so in tune with what I personally like. There was a lot of nature. There are the Tetons, of course, which are, you know, mountains. There's like a national park. There's a, there's a lot of hiking going on. And it's like a little cute house with a lot of land around it near a national park, near the mountains. And it just feels like exactly what I would want in a dream house is to be around all of these things and particularly away from most people. It just, it sounded very ideal for me. So I loved reading that kind of atmosphere. I also loved reading like when the characters would go on hikes or they would do some gardening or they would tend to the house or they would talk about like the scenery and the Tetons and tourists and stuff like that. Like I just liked the vibe of it. And I also loved that we got to experience all of the seasons in this one book. We literally went through every single season and I think that the story was kind of structured in a way where you had to follow the seasons because the spirits come every season and each season has a different kind of spirit. So you got to really, really get immersed into every single season. And I really enjoyed that. I love, I don't know, I just love descriptions that are revolved around seasons. I feel like I'm in there. I feel like I'm transported to the spring or the summer, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I like it. So that was my favorite thing about the story for sure. I think I like it more than anything else was just like the setup, uh, which is kind of interesting, a little bit of foreshadowing into how I feel about the story as a whole, but I also liked the spirits. Again, the spirits were associated with seasons. So for example, in the fall, there would be a specific spirit that would show up and do some things and the people that were living in the area had to do some things to get rid of the spirit or at least ward the spirit off for that season. And it happened in every single season. So not only was I immersed in the setting, but the spirits also got me immersed in the setting because they were associated with the setting. So I don't know, something about that was really cool. I don't think I've read a story or a horror story quite like that. So I very much appreciated it. I'm a big setting kind of person. When I'm reading stories, like I would prefer setting and setup and atmosphere more than dialogue, if that makes sense. Not that I don't like dialogue. It's just there's something about building up a really good scene that I absolutely appreciate. So I like that. I also liked Joe a lot. And Joe is actually Native American. And so a lot of his uh, story is built up in a lot of Native American traditions and lineages and storylines and stuff like that. And so I really appreciated that storyline more than anything else. I think he was my favorite character. And even though he was a minor character and he was very rarely actually in the story, 
I loved it so much. I think he was super wise. I think he was the wisest of anyone in that area. And I think that was done on purpose. But yeah, I really liked him. I think he was chill too. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like if it, if I was in a room with a group of these characters, with all of these characters, I would vibe with Joe the most. He just seemed like a chill dude. And he was really smart and intuitive and spiritual. If you've heard some episodes with Ian and I, I kind of, I kind of lean towards the spiritual side of things. I don't know. I just appreciate that a lot. I, I appreciate when characters are really in tune with themselves and stuff like that. So this was another instance where a character did just that. And of course, I once again, how can you not like an animal when an animal is in a story? I will say that Dash, which is the the couple, the young couple's dog, has a big role in this story, which is interesting to me. I don't usually see that happen. Of course, you know, a lot of families have dogs, right? But the dog in the story doesn't usually end up having a pivotal role when it comes to like the actual plot and Dash ends up having a bit of an important role here when it comes to the spirits. It's an interesting theme within the horror world where animals are very in tune with spirits. They have this sense, they they get the vibe, like they know, they can sense things and they put that in this story and I really liked it because you get to see more of the animal, of course. You get to see more of like what the animal is experiencing in the story. I feel like in a lot of stories when the animal is part of a family the animal is either just like you know like they'll do a little scared like oh my god I can see something that you can't see but then that's pretty much it and sometimes unfortunately in in horror movies you'll see the animal die quite often but in this one there's a lot more of an understanding between the animal and the spirits and they really go in depth with the descriptions of that I love that I would love to see more stories where we put a little bit more of the animal perspective into it. Maybe I'm just too much of an animal lover and that's really weird, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like that's a cool perspective to look into more in stories, in horror stories, as opposed to just killing them off. Those are the main things that I liked about the story. Overall, I think it was a good story, but let me get into the dislikes before I give you my little wrap up. This is annoying, I know, but Harry and Sasha are the young couple in this story and they are the main characters. They are the two main characters and I absolutely do not like them <laughs> at all. I know in the Stabber Survive round I said that I would let Sasha survive but I still don't like her and I really really disliked Harry's character. So let me backtrack a little bit. Harry is essentially the husband in this story, the main character. I think he might be the main character. We see a lot of his perspective, but the story is actually told in two perspectives, in Harry's and in Sasha's. And whenever I read Harry's perspective, he's an ex-Marine, by the way. Not ex-Marine, former Marine. Sorry, I think there's a different connotation when you say ex. But yeah, he was a former Marine and he's just so freaking annoying. He's got this weird like dude complex. Like his masculinity is always being tested because he has fragile masculinity. And it's so annoying not just to read about a character or read a character in a story like that, but it's even more annoying to read it from his perspective. You're basically in his mind, right? When you're reading from their perspective. But oh my gosh, it was like, I wanted to pull my hair out throughout most of this story every time I read through 
Harry's perspective. He's just, he's so fragile. Everything takes him off. Everything drives him crazy. And I get it. As a former Marine, you have trauma, but it was the simple little moments where he would get pissed off. And I mean, he would get blood boiling, veins popping. I'm going to injure someone pissed off over the littlest, most mundane things. By the end of the story, I really questioned to myself if men truly do walk around holding this much rage because that cannot be healthy. How are you not like in the hospital with the amount of rage that you hold within yourself over the simplest things? Over the simplest things. How do you like function day to day? And it's interesting because this story really kind of shows that Harry can just barely function because he's constantly angry. I know that's part of the plot, but it just drove me crazy. I I really couldn't stand reading from that perspective and having half the story or maybe even 60% of the story be his perspective was pretty rough, pretty rough to read. I honestly only got through it because I enjoyed the atmosphere and the spiritual part so much, but otherwise I almost gave up. Now, Sasha isn't isn't as annoying. And once again, Sasha is the other perspective in the story. So the other 50-40% of this book is in her perspective. And she was frustrating also. And I think it's because this story was written in a way where Harry is actually the main character. And Sasha is kind of like, she's also a main character. But I don't know, there's something a little bit more where we're seeing Harry get emphasized a little bit more in the story. So I don't know if she was supposed to play like the side the side character to Harry, but I got that vibe because she was very passive. She would be like super nice and super gentle and super kind whenever Harry would get pissed off, which was always. And there were moments where she'd stand up for herself, of course, but I felt like she was a little bit too submissive and it was also frustrating to read. Like hearing all of this rage and sometimes Harry would lie and sometimes Harry would do bad things, stuff like that. And having her be so submissive and so brush off the shoulder, like, oh, that's fine, you know, he is who he is, kind of, it was very frustrating. (laughs) And I don't fault Sasha, of course, for, you know, keeping the peace within the family, but I also feel like you could have done better, girl. But aside from that, Sasha wasn't terrible. I think when she was doing things individually or if whenever she was with Lucy, who is the elderly wife that lived next door to them, that part was cool. Like they would do hiking, they would go on walks with the dog, they would talk about, you know, personal things. I enjoyed that part. I think it's just the submissive part whenever she was interacting with Harry that drove me drove me crazy. And finally, the last thing that I kind of disliked about this story is that the writing felt a little flat. And what I mean by that is, again, I I enjoyed the setting thoroughly. I enjoyed the atmosphere thoroughly. But it was the characters where I felt like there was something lacking. So, for example, the families. The families that were associated with these main characters. Harry and Sasha, they seem to have, like, troubled pasts or troubled histories with their family. So, it kind of added up where they weren't talking to their families that much. However, I think one of the one of them had parents that were kind of involved. But still, 
it was strange that they were like so not involved. There were other instances where Sasha's kind of like trying to figure out how to solve this mystery or solve the issue of the spirits and she starts speaking to other people's families. Those scenes, those setups were also pretty flat. Like she would call someone, she would have a really deep, meaningful conversation with someone over the phone for the very first time and then you'll never hear from that character ever again. And it was just, I don't know, it was just like the ties from one end to the other were so loose that I felt like disconnected sometimes. Sometimes I would feel like this doesn't make sense though. How are you, how did you get on the phone with someone? You've never spoken to them before in your life. This person has never talked about this topic with you before or hasn't talked about this topic in years. And now suddenly they're crying on the phone, having a heart to heart with you. It was kind of instances like that where I'm like, this is weird. The other thing is that Sasha is pregnant by the end of this story and if she's pregnant then the partially involved family members would they not want to be more involved would they not be contacting her more would they not be seeing her it's like when she found out that she was pregnant up until the end of the story where she's like fully pregnant you don't hear anything from her family and apparently like she has a lot of friends and she has a lot of work friends and nobody knows that she's pregnant nobody contacts her about her pregnancy nobody comes to see her like even if they're out in the middle of nowhere, even if it's a far distance, even if they're not like super close to family members, I feel like when you're pregnant, people will get a little bit more involved in your life, especially if you're like somewhat close or actually close to them. I don't know. It was just things like that where I'm like, this is weird. This is just a little bit too disconnected for me. And I know I'm nitpicking, but when you're reading it, it feels disconnected. You feel like you're not really getting close to these characters. And I never really got close to any of these characters. Maybe the elderly couple, actually, and Joe. But the main characters, I never felt close enough to them. I just felt very annoyed by them for the most part. But all in all, I think it was a good, it was a good story. And the parts that were actually scary, the actual horror parts of the story were super good and that's what sticks with me. I think this is a common theme that I talked about in last week's episode where it's not necessarily the ending or the beginning that I hold close to me after I read the story. It's the middle part. It's the scary part. And I think, of course, as, you know, creepypasta writers or these horror writers, that's the best part of it, right? Is the scary part. Is the part where you get to talk about the actual horror. And of course, that's the best part of this story. And I did enjoy it a lot. I really did enjoy it and it still sticks with me. I'm thinking about like the specific spirits from each season. Some of them were so descriptive and creepy and eerie that I literally saw pictures in my head of what the spirit could look like. If you're there for the horror and you just want to get to the horror, there are some really good horror elements in this story. And of course, that's what we love on this podcast, right? But perhaps the lead up to it and the wrap up at the end is what's disappointing here. And I don't know if it's a worth it read because it's like over 300 pages. So perhaps it won't be a worth it read. But if you're willing to stick it out, just like S.A.R. Woods, if you're willing to stick it out and get to the spooky parts, I think it's worth it. Whether you read it or not, I still had a really good time and I'm glad that I read it. I'm glad that I was able to support a creepypasta author or authors. I think I read one other creepypasta that became a published novel, but I think it was self-published. I think this is the only one that I know of 
maybe I'll have to do some digging, but it's the only one that I know of that is like actually published by a major publishing house. So that was very cool. And if you do end up reading it, definitely let me know your thoughts. Love to hear all y'all's thoughts. Let us know on social media at LiverAlonePod, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. But I do have a question for you. So that's not the question. The question that I have for you this week is, do you think creepypastas should become full-length novels? Let me know on social. Once again, LiverAlonePod on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. People who leave comments and answers to the discussion posts on Instagram, we will be taking those. We will compile those answers and thoughts and DMs and all that good stuff. And we'll be shouting them out at the end of next season's episode. So definitely chat with us. We love to see the conversation going. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you didn't miss Ian too much. He will be back in next week's episode. And if you liked today's episode and you'd like to hear more from us, do us a favor and leave us a rating, a five-star rating, or simply subscribe and continue to listen to us. Every little bit helps us continue to be a show and we just appreciate it so much. But moving on to next week, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite horror movies that is completely underground. It's a movie we've never heard anyone else talk about. And we're not too sure why, because it's absolutely unhinged, it's wild, and it's a complete, I mean complete mindfuck. But for now, we'll see you in the kitchen with a knife.